CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition as we wrap up this week. So glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective. And what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? If you've been reading your Bible, come across with a question. Someone's asked you a question. Hey, today's your day. Call us. We got some lines open. 8888. Ask CSN is the number to call, and you can be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker on the weekends here, the Dacus Report, Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, and welcome, Brad. Oh, thank you. It's great to be on the program. I appreciate the opportunity. Always a blessing to be with you and looking forward to answering some questions with you. And if you have a, a legal question right now, this is a good time to call. You know, so many people want to know about different legal advice, especially for churches or for you individually, things like that. And uh, Brad and their company represents people like you and me in court that don't have the money to defend ourselves. Well, that's what they do. And I'm so glad, Brad, that you're uh, not only um, occupation, but your ministry is to help people um, that can't really help themselves. And of course, in the legal system, many people lose not because they're wrong, but because they don't have the money to stay in the, in the whole lawyer corporate thing and to have people like you there. What a blessing. Uh, it is, it is a real blessing. You know, we defend religious freedom, parents' rights against the government, the sanctity of human life. Uh, we're very broad in, in these, in these case areas and, uh, we just uh, really take it to heart, you know, as we know, as you know, God's blessed us with 36 offices in more than 26 states, coast to coast, all across the country. It's very, very unique, but we have a huge footprint, and we also are unique in that we don't just cherry pick, you know, high profile cases. We want to make sure everyone gets help, and, uh, and we do so completely without charge. We have, well, right now, over 220 cases and active litigation and some of those cases are class action lawsuits on behalf of people of faith but most recently i, I want to pronounce that we have uh, made it uh, we put out a, a press release we made it very clear that uh, we have pledged to defend and represent uh, any and all jewish students at public universities including christians who stand up for israel uh, and who defend the jewish students uh, but any of any and all of these students uh, who have been harassed, threatened, bullied uh, by either uh, other students and, and, and student mobs or even professors that apparently have just taken over our universities, uh, you know, Columbia University and, and others have written, you know, the, uh, large numbers of professors have written, you know, public statements of support for uh, Hamas in defense of Hamas, uh, the terrorists, and in the process of also uh, harassed, belittled, called out students in class. Well, we have to deal with this swiftly and decisively, and that's what we're doing at Pacific Justice Institute. So if there's anyone out there at all in any way 
that uh, you know you've been harassed, you know about someone else has been harassed, please have them contact us. I believe, Pastor Mike, that this is the time. You know, Christmas is a time to show the love of Christ. One of the great ways of showing love of Christ is willing to stand up for your neighbor who's being persecuted. And at this time, uh, the Jewish people deserve us to do nothing less. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's really sad because uh, the American news media is really, really just bald-faced lying to the American people. CNN, um, uh, the story came out, we remember, about the uh, pro-Palestinian person uh, hit a guy, last name Kessler, no relative, uh, hit a guy in California with his megaphone. He fell to the ground, hit his head, and died. Uh, and this is the way the headline read. But then CNN massaged it, carefully reworded the headline so that the, uh, this person that assaulted, uh, this Jewish person did not, uh, was never mentioned. And, and, and you just look at how they distort the news. I mean, Trump called them junk news. I, I think it's far beyond that. And, uh, you know, prices fall on gasoline right before the holidays, uh, CNN says. Well, what they didn't tell you, if you read other news uh, thing, uh, OPEC is raising the price of oil, um, but they didn't say, yes, it's going to go down, but now it's going to go back up. No, they're trying to make this administration look all rosy-posy, uh, and uh, friends, as we all know, it ain't. And uh, no, so this issue in Nevada, very, very serious. Oh, yes, it, it is. And, uh, you know, and we need to to stand up uh, against these atrocities uh, with regards to this, you know, this grandpa who was uh, struck down and, and murdered um, for being just supportive of Israel and against Jewish oppression. You know, you'd think that you know, people would be outraged. If this had been someone um, of a different ethnicity, a different group, um, and he had been attacked by people with racist attitudes against him because of his group, um, there would be outrage. We'd have, you know, we saw, you know, rioting, you know, in the streets, you know, two years ago. Uh, but now here we have a Jewish person who is killed uh, for standing up against persecution and mass murdering of Jews. And it's all too silent on major media. And this should be very concerning. Blessed are those who bless Israel. Cursed are those who curse Israel. And major media have done just that by their silence to this atrocity uh, that has taken place uh, to this uh, Jewish uh, grand- grandpa out there. Uh, who I'm sure is uh, leaving a, a family in, in mourning, but also many people wondering you know, whether or not they're going to get justice and protection from these mobs and thuggeries uh, supporting uh, terrorism and Hamas. Uh, sometimes people, Pastor Mike, will, will say, well, now, wait a minute, Brad. You know, these people are not pro-Hamas. They're, they're just pro-Palestinian. Well, well no, no, no. Uh, the conflict of Gaza is uh, their, their government is Hamas. And they that voted it in. And they yeah. voted Hamas in. And they voted Hamas in. And even the latest polling shows that more than two to one of the people living in Gaza, the Palestinians in Gaza, support Hamas. So uh, this is who they 
want, this is who they support. And the polling also shows overwhelmingly, almost over 99% of those in Gaza do not want a two-state solution. No, they want the extermination of Israel, the entire nation and everyone in it. That is what they want. That is, um, it's like a Nazi war camp. And the Jewish people and the nation of Israel are acting accordingly and they should do nothing less for their own survival and the survival of innocent, peaceful uh, Jewish people. Nation of Israel also, as you know, uh, about 20% of them are are Muslim, are are, are Arabic. They're not Jewish. Um, And yet they have full rights under the law. They vote as citizens. Yet you try to find one Jewish person in Gaza and they will not be alive very long or even on the West Bank. Um, they're killed in a second uh, by totalitarian uh, thugs. So I think people need to understand the truth as well as, of course, also the history, uh, which fully supports uh, Israel's rights uh, to for autonomy and to have a place to protect the most persecuted people on the face of the earth, the Jewish people. Yeah, and you hear the land for peace all the time. Israel says every time we give them land, they build missile bases and bomb us. So they they're not doing that thing anymore. Um, now, a couple other things, and then we're going to go to the phones again. 8888, ask the ascends the number call if you've got a question or you have a legal question. Today's your day to ask it. But um, interesting, uh, I read a thing that says uh, uh, Joe Biden's not likely to have any kind of reprimand for having documents illegally in his home. Yet Trump was prosecuted. House was raided by the FBI and the CIA. And uh, he was legal to have papers. Joe Biden is not legal to have these top secret documents, which they found. No prosecution if you're a Democrat. But if you're a Republican, whoa, they'll nail you to the wall for a parking ticket. Your thoughts? Yeah, what people need to understand is this goes far beyond just Donald Trump. Um, This is a major shift in the integrity and reliability of our court system, specifically the state courts, and their ability to be able to uh, use their powers as as judges, as prosecutors, to specifically attack certain people running for office of a different party. This was very common in banana republics. We call them third world nations and, you know, tyranny and, you know, now, yeah, that's, that's such and such country. Yeah, you can expect nothing less. We never expect that in the United States. But the message they're sending is they're sending by, by how they're treating Donald Trump and, and singling him out. Unquestionably, they're singling him out. Is that if you run for office and in a state where uh, the Democrats are in control and you're not a Democrat and uh, you have a, a good chance of winning, they now feel to- a total liberty to use the courts, to use the criminal prosecutors to find something and even the, and the, and the judges to line and make up it up with, and just make it up and make it up. You know, the district attorney for New York, uh, when she was running for office, she says, I'm going to go after Trump. I'm going to find something against Trump. Did she say what it was? No, she had no idea. She was just going to come up with something. And that's what she ran on. Um, that is despicable. It's shameful. The people who voted for her should be ashamed of themselves. 
Um, and if they re-elect her, she'd be doubly ashamed of themselves because she has completely, um, completely delegitimized her position as a district attorney and it brought shame upon her and the people who voted for her. And the state of New York for doing and, these yes. kinds of things, yes. You know, it's also interesting that, uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about why don't we hear anything about the cocaine in the White House? Whoa. Now, wait a minute. There was some things released about cocaine in the White House, but the trustworthy American news media chose not to tell the American people what's really going on. They did a, they did their research, their findings, and mysteriously about 23 pages disappeared out of the report. Hmm. Why are these 23 pages missing from the legal investigation courtesy of the White House? What was it? Who and where was it indicting who? Cocaine in the White House and the American media won't tell the American people what the findings were of this? Friends, we got real problems. What's your thought on this? And then we're going to go to the phones. Yeah, many people suspect that this was Hunter Biden. Uh, there's some evidence, you know, secondhand evidence pointing to him as being the perpetrator to have brought cocaine uh, with him into the White House. That's speculation. But whoever it was, um, they should be prosecuted. And information in a report, you shouldn't have pages just taken out and think that you can get away with that. Oh, that's right. Um, we have a district attorney who is a political hack for the criminal Biden administration. So that explains part of it. Oh, that's right. The head of the FBI, um, they have proven themselves to be political hacks for the Biden administration, disgracefully and shamefully. So we have a real crisis. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't believe we're going to see this massive corruption brought to a head until we have a change in the Oval Office in Washington, D.C. No, and and to get that change, to get around all the cheating, and, you know, Brad, uh, the, the embarrassment, again, of the American news media saying, oh, the media's, the media's are not, uh, uh, the elections are not corrupted. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, and, uh, Brad, you were partly responsible for returning uh, a Republican back to his his place there in the California government because, of, of course, these mail-in ballots, people had never voted, and yet they were cleverly and cheatfully filled out. They called the people's name who was on the ballot, finding out they never voted at all, which made the ballot fraud. Well, how many times do you have to how many people you got to kill to be a murderer? How many lies you got to tell to be a liar? How many times can you do you prove that election was cheated before you can say we have cheated elections? I think we're there. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's massive. It's widespread. It's uh, deliberate it's, too. It's deliberate. And then you know when I talk to people, like oh, I was on an airplane flight recently, and uh, sitting next to two people who said, well, you know, both. You know, Republicans and Democrats, you know, they all cheat. You know, um, there's nothing new. It's it's always, you know, been the same. And, you know, this is and I'm listening to them thinking, um, are you aware that among those who've been prosecuted for voter fraud, there's almost every case, more than 90 plus percent were, were Democrats trying to fraudulently sway an election? It's it's not the uh, yeah, occasionally you see you know, as a crooked Republican. Yeah, but we have a, a major 
not just a little here and there on both sides. No, it's it's a major orchestrated uh, system of fraud and corruption at the micro all the way up to the macro. Um, and that's why we as, as, as people who care about our country and the integrity of elections, we, you know, no matter how they turn out, we want to make sure that they're at least honest. And that's why we need to get involved. We need to volunteer to be poll workers, poll watchers, get our churches registered, uh, to, to get the right people registered to vote. And if anyone wants information on how to do that, our church engagement office is there to help you. Just go to pji.org, wherever you are in the United States. Just go to pji.org and uh, connect with our church engagement office. We've got great resources to help you. Yeah, wonderful. And um, again, um, uh, you know, thank you very much, Brad, for what you do for all of us. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go to the phones. We have John on the line, Primbrook, Massachusetts. Hi and welcome. Hi, how you doing? Um, Good. How may we I help? Got, uh, I got... Um, Two questions for you. And as far yeah. as the, the politics that you're talking about, you're beating a dead horse until things are. you got to get the last four numbers of your Social Security card and uh, a, a driver's license or uh, a, a state ID to be able to vote. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Step. You, you and, know, it's um, funny. You have to show ID when you buy a bottle of whiskey. Uh, if you know, you got to prove you're over 21. And uh, nobody says, oh, that's discrimination. Oh, that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, something else. No, you have to do that to just buy a bottle of whiskey. How much more important is the direction of a nation not to have to show your ID when we have so many, somewhere around 60 to 70 million lawbreakers that broke into our country illegally, uh, and, uh, uh, are allowed to vote? What, where, where is this? And so I think this is one of the reasons why, again, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, John, that I think people need to show their ID and no mail-in ballots, none of that kind of stuff. If you're too busy to go down and vote for your country, you shouldn't be voting anyway, uh, unless there is some special circumstances where a person is handicapped or ill or something along that lines. But to just willy-nilly be handing out ballots like penny candy, only to find that so many of these are cheated, I think the proof is in the pudding. They should not exist. Um, but, John, how can we help? All right. Um, I got uh, two questions. One is uh, Isaiah 6, verse 6 and 7, okay? Yes. And it um, it reads um, like this. Okay, Um, it says, uh, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar and laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this hath touched thy lips and thy iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Now, I'm seeing that and it's like, how can um, I'm thinking, how can that be so? All right. When, I mean, it's it's from it's actually from the altar, and it's that's holy fire. But um, where's the blood to take away his his sin? You know, I mean, is there is this with holy fire? Can your sins be forgiven and eternally, or does he still have to? I mean, this is Old Testament Isaiah. So my question is, uh, 
how is he cleansed with fire? And, well, um, here's where here's here's the part of the answer to your question. The word, let me just read this again. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. The word in the Hebrew for purged is the word atoned for. It doesn't mean that it has been removed. It means that it has been covered. Now, we know again, and this is the Old Testament for, for Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We know that that didn't come for over a thousand years later, that we find that that the Old Testament, um, uh, the blood of bulls and goats and all, could only cover the sin. It could not remove it. Now, here is what's important. This is an unusual, unique situation concerning Isaiah in a time when his nation was in deep mourning and deep confusion. If you go back to chapter 1, it'll say, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And so what it's saying here is, though human leaders will die, God is still the one ultimately in control. And in this particular case, as we find, it says, has touched your lips. It doesn't say your heart. It says your lips and your iniquity has been taken away. And I believe that, again, if we go back and read earlier, we'll find out why. Verse 5 says, Woe is me, for I'm undone, as he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Because I'm a man, and here it is, a man of unclean lips. He realized that from the same mouth, as the Bible warns and Jesus warns, does blessings and cursings come. And so we he realized that his mouth need to be washed, if you will. And I believe that is what we're finding here in 6 and 7 of the following verses, is that his sin was purged from his mouth. Uh, again, that we would not be uh, uh, blessings and cursings coming from the same thing. In fact, Jesus said it like this, let your yes be yes, your no be no, for what comes more than this is sin. And so I really believe that, again, God preparing Isaiah to bring a message to his people, Isaiah realized that as he came into the holiness of the presence of the Lord, he realized that there was these flaws in him. And so the Lord touched his mouth, and it said, your sin has been atoned for. And so I, your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, um, I think I agree with, with everything you said. Also, uh, you know, it's uh, God uses things to um, to display his holiness and, uh, and, and, and exercise his holiness. So, for example, um, you know, when, when uh, Moses, you know, appeared before the burning bush, what was he to do? He was to take off his shoes or sandals for he is standing on holy ground. Um, God does things to, to remind us and to recognize of his, his holiness. And once again, I was interesting that just so, so happened to be also actually a, a burning bush of fire, um, which I think is just a, a symbolic reminder of the, of the, 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 the holiness, the righteousness of God. Um, and, uh, and the fire is, you know, to, to, to take away, to burn away all, all, you know, evil. Um, so, 
I, I see this as, as analogous to that and, can, you know, to, to God wanting to, to say, hey, this is distinct. This is holy. And Isaiah, what you're about to, to receive and to utter from your mouth is holy. And, um, and so I, I think that could also be another part of the, part of the messaging. But without question, uh, Jesus is the only source for full and complete atonement and forgiveness of sin. Um, and I think it's really, uh, I salute you for, for being sensitive, uh, to any possible, di- uh, mischaracterization, mis, uh, leading away of that, of that point. Um, only Jesus, only his blood, uh, covers our sin. And, um, but yet, you know, th- there are acts that, that God does, I think, remind us of his holiness and the need to, um, to, to recognize um, his holiness or the acts of holiness that he's he's about to do. And I think that was also seen here. Yeah. And I think that as all of us do, um, you know, Isaiah, when he wants to represent the Lord to the people, that he wanted to be sure that he was doing it with 100% of God's heart, not his own. So the right. Lord touched his lips. I hope that helps, John. Right. Yeah, but I have my my big question is coming up, but I know you're going to go for a break soon. But um, now um, when Wickwire was on, he he had an answer for me. I downloaded his videos, but I can't find the one he said he had, and it is about um, uh, it's about um, Acts two thirty eight, and uh, I looked up in the concordance and everything, and there's presupposition and supposition, and it's presupposition. What it says is write what it says, you know, you can't add into it. You have to take mm-hmm. out what's there. And it says um, that um, being um, being baptized, okay, you're baptized oh, yes. for the forgiveness yes. of your sins, right? And then right. you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then, okay, if you go to Romans 10, which was written later, when he got through Acts, at the end of Acts, he ends up in Rome. So that's when the Roman book is written. And then it's in chapter 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you, your sins will be forgiven, you know? Right. And right. so um, it's... Now, again, remember, in order, in order to become uh, a person following Yahweh, you would renounce your pagan deity in the Old Testament, you would embrace Yahweh as your God, and then take a ceremonial washing. And so I believe that's why it's written that way in the book of Acts, because they had to understand that they were having to move from one type of beliefism to the complete fulfillment of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And I believe that's why the washing. We'll be back for more right after this. 65 or older, you know this, watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. 
And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. In 2007, when Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, cried out to God, what can I do for you? The answer came loud and clear. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. But if we can get a mom into one of our clinics and show her her baby, and she has that uh, close encounter of the best kind in her womb, she will choose life. Preborn Network of Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. Give me back to part two of To Every Man Answer here on this Friday afternoon with Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And when we went to the break, we were speaking with John. And uh, John, you know, again, I, I think it's so important for all of us to realize there's nothing that we do in ourselves to generate anything spiritual. It's not within man to live righteously. All any of our spirituality we got from Christ. We don't go to heaven because of anything that I have done. We go to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. Now, again, baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. When you're dealing with the Jewish nation, in order to move from from a pagan deity to Judaism, this is what made John the Baptist ministry so unusual, because he said the same thing that we find there in Acts, where he says to them, you, Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing, thus the name John the Baptist. It wasn't that they inherited their religiosity from Moses or Abraham, as they would oftentimes chide with Jesus, saying, our father Abraham taught us, or Moses said, but that where do you personally stand with God? And John the Baptist came preaching a message of repentance, not to the heathen, but to the Jewish nation, saying, you need to take a ceremonial washing. Well, basically, that's what baptism is. And so Jesus, again, commanding everybody to uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, again, not for salvation, but for identification. And I believe there's a big difference there. And that was the purpose of it in the Old Testament. That was the purpose of it in John the Baptist ministry was identification. I'm identifying with my personal relationship with God. Not that I just don't need to do anything. I I was born in a Christian family, so I'm a Christian. I was born in a Christian nation, so I'm a Christian. Well, we find this problem again today rampant. 
So any last thoughts, Brad? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the God is so awesome. And, uh, and what he did on the cross was so complete that anything that in any way adds to it or conditions it should, should get our alarm, uh, alarm, bear, alarm bells ringing. Um, and yet our God is very loving and com- gracious and compassionate. So, you know, he, he, uh, he has us to be baptized, not for his benefit. I mean, it's not so he goes, Oh, now I feel so much better about you because you were, you were baptized. No, he, he already took care of our sins on the cross. The baptism is for us to solidify our own uh, actual change are the death of the old self, the resurrection of the new in Christ. Um, it's to help us just as a, a loving heavenly father, or this is a, a loving father and mom will, will teach a, a child uh, to do things so that they can understand concepts. They can, they, they, it solidifies. Um, baptism is, is such a blessing for us. And it's, it's because of that that we should take it seriously. God commands us to be baptized for a reason. Um, it's, because it has a purpose and it uh, helps to solidify, as you said, Mike, um, the, the, the transformation that has taken place spiritually that we're uh, personifying physically through baptism. So I hope that helps. May I say one more thing, please? Yes. All right. Um, I'm saying this is really important, okay? Um, I have been involved 32 years ago with uh, a, a church in, in the, um, Massachusetts. And I I have a really close friend there, and he's still in, in their doctrine. And I talk about Cornelius, all right? When Peter went to Cornelius, he had already received the Holy Spirit, okay? And then, um, so Peter then says, uh, after seeing the sheets come down and everything, he was being taught that now the Gentiles are clean. And um, then he, after that, he says, now will anybody stop him from being baptized? So he had the Holy Spirit, and this is what I did with a class with them. And that, this, right at that one point where Cornelius had had the Holy Spirit, they're like, oh, well, that's just, well, that's because he was entering into the Gentiles. But the fact is, is once you have the Holy Spirit, you're covered in the blood of Christ. So, <laughs> you know, it kind of blows their doctrine out of the water. Right, and here's the rest. And here's the rest of it again, because baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. Right. It's not for sanctification; it's for identification. Oh, you're one of his disciples as well. And again, uh, does the water take away our sins? No, we know only the blood of Jesus takes away our sin. But just as the children of Israel, when they left Egypt after the whole. Uh, Passover experience, the blood on the posts and on the lintel and on the doorposts, we find that that uh, they pass through the Red Sea, a form of baptism, uh, separating them from their old previous life. Now, again, I don't believe that baptism is really an option in any way. Jesus said to do it, so we do it. And so what do we really find? We find identification, And then we also find obedience. And really, it's one of the first things we do in obedience. Now, I know many people that have accepted the Lord, been filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet not been baptized. 
Well, that again, baptism is not for receiving the Holy Spirit or being saved. Again, it's to identify with Christ. His life, death, going into the water, coming up out of the water, his resurrection. And then we find the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness, as many people do today in their Christian experience, until the second baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where they pass through the Jordan River and want on in to the promised land. And so, John, I hope that helps. Yeah. And, you know, the the thing is, is you get it how you get it through um, the, the what does it say? The assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And what's that? Amen. Faith. That's what I've Amen. come to. So, That's the conclusion. That. Yep. John, stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs, some things I think you'll really enjoy. Great to share with your friends. And with that, we'll go to Darren in Austin, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello. Um, I bought my first house about two years ago, um, right right when the um, Fed started raising the interest rates. So um, the housing market was really bad, and I didn't know anything about the housing market. I uh, I had a real Darren. We lost you. Are you there? Darren, we lost you completely. Um, Darren, call us back, and we'll we'll take your call uh, again, and because we want to know how how we can help you with this uh, this house issue. Uh, in the meanwhile, until you call us back again, eighty eight eighty eight. Ask the ascends the number to call if you'd like to be part of the program today. Got a question? Let's go to Paul, Longview, Washington. Hi, and welcome. Hello, good to, good to talk to you again. I'm uh, calling because when the Bible says, uh, or God, in God's words uh, regarding Israel, I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. Are we here in the United States looking maybe at uh, the plagues like uh, happened to Egypt? You know, it seems to me like we're in pretty big trouble by not uh, supporting Israel 100%. Well, we we still support Israel. However, with all the demonstrations in the streets, uh, with the Democratic Party putting more and more pressure upon Joe Biden to retract his support of Israel— uh, I believe one of the reasons why God has not let America have what it deserves is because of our support of Israel. However, when that changes, I believe that God is fully justified then to judge us as he has done with all the other nations that came against Israel. Now, again, uh, this is a sad situation that we have, our only real friend in the Middle East that we have. Uh, the only democracy in the Middle East. But for some reason, these colleges, this group of people in the United States, Omar, uh, Tib, and some of these other people in our government feel that it's good to side with baby slaughtering mongers. And I, I really, you know, I have trouble with that. 
that and and people say, well, do you fear the uh, AOCs and and all? And I go, no, I fear an illiterate American population that allows these people to be voted in. That's where my fear is at. And as we see more and more of a growing anti-Semitic, you know, one of the things that uh, Dwight Eisenhower said when he was general, when he went into Germany and he saw Auschwitz and all these other places where they killed so many Jews, he said, I want, I want pictures, lots of pictures to document and to prove that this happened and that it would never happen again. It was Eisenhower that said, down the road, they're going to try to deny this happened. Take lots of pictures. And sure enough, just as he said, we have these people today that are doing these kinds of things in these, so to speak, universities of higher education, which are really just dumbing down America and everything else. You know, first of all, we want to look at a couple of things. Number one, Palestinians are anybody that lived in the area of the land of Palestine when Israel became a state. There were Jewish Palestinians. There are Arab Palestinians. There were American Palestinians. There were Chinese Palestinians. There were Indian Palestinians. Just anybody that lived in the area was called a Palestinian. Number two, Palestinians are not a race of people. They're not the Jews. The Jews are absolutely a race, a specific race of people. Palestinians are not. They're from all different diversities. And here's the other main problem with that. No one gave this group of Hamas or anybody else to write the right to say we're the only Palestinians. Right. Again, it was just anybody living in the area of Palestine when the United Nations declared them to be a nation in 1948. Number three, occupied territories that you hear so much about. Well, these occupied territories were won by Israeli blood. In the 67 Six-Day War, the Arab neighbors all around Israel declared war on Israel and tried to scrape them off into the Mediterranean Sea. But by, I believe, a hand of God, Israel whooped all of them in six days. It's called the Six-Day War. And Israel retained those territories that were vital to its defense, the West Bank, the Golan Heights. Gaza and, and the Sinai Peninsula, all those they felt were important to keep. Technically, and by the rules of war, Israel owns Egypt, they own Syria, they own Lebanon, they own Jordan, they own these countries, they won them in a war. You don't start a war and then lose and then say, oh, oh, well, we, we just want all the borders to go back the way they are. No, you start a war, you lose. This is the illiteracy that's coming from our colleges, Columbia, and these other uh, uh, teachers that do not know history. Listen, you colleges, if you're going to try to rewrite history, wait till the people who were alive are dead before you start lying about what really happened. We all were there. We saw it. There's newsreels. But no, you got to change it. you got to change it while we're still alive, where we can all tell people, no, colleges, you're lying to America. You're lying to your students. And again, this whole dumbing down of America, what to think rather than how to think is what's got us into the place that we're in right now. These poor college kids are told what to think. They're not taught how to think. And when they would be presented with the facts about an enemy starting a war 
losing the war, and then all that that they owned now all of a sudden go back before the war started? What planet are you from? There are consequences for starting a war and losing. And they did, not only in 1967, friends, but also in 1973 as well. And so when we really look at the facts, rather than what to think, when you learn how to think, you're going to realize just how kooky these ideas are that are being perpetrated on our college campuses. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed out that these wars against Israel uh, were not caused by Israel. Israel did not start any of these. These were uh, orchestrated wars, not even just to take part of Israel, but to annihilate and exterminate Israel and the people living in Israel. That is what was on the hands of of, uh, the Muslim countries surrounding Israel. Um, And Israel uh, took part of those areas, but they did so uh, for their national security, the Golan Heights. If they gave back the Golan Heights, um, they would be giving back a, an elevated launch pad for missiles to come pummeling, pummeling down uh, upon uh, upon Israel. Uh, it's very important for national security. So yeah, they kept the Golan Heights. Uh, part of the West Bank, yeah, they did that too as a buffer zone because of the proclivity of war and annihilation that was sought by the people on the other side. And then uh, same with same with Gaza, um, as far as the Sinai Desert, Israel was extremely gracious in giving that back to Egypt. Yes. Um, I think that was a terrible deal uh, that was negotiated uh, by the then President Jimmy Carter. Uh, but the hope at the time was that there would be peace. And peace did last for a while. But the reality is those who occupy Gaza and those who occupy the West Bank are still committed for the extermination of the nation of Israel. They do not want a two-state solution. That was offered to them in the late 70s. Um, Yasser even, recently, turned, even recently. Yeah, even recently. It was turned down completely. Um, and Yasser Arafat turned it down, and then also recently. They don't want a two-state. They want extermination of Israel and the Jews. And how anyone can stand up and to defend that, that position um, is like defending the Nazis. Um, it is sick. It is um, hopefully uneducated, and it must be fought vehemently. Unfortunately, so many professors dominate our universities that have this twisted, evil, bigoted, racist attitude about the Jews uh, that we're going to have to spend a lot of extra time and effort in our society and our churches to call it out and call it out very clearly and aggressively. So, uh, Paul, I hope that answered that question. Yes, it did. And I've, uh, <laughs> I've got somebody wanting my time here, so I need to uh, hang up and listen to when he, anything left that comes on the air. But um, thank you for taking this call from me. Now, did you and, have a question uh, real quickly about, about Gates and Schwab and all? Oh, my my question I'll be with you in a second. Yeah, hang on a sec. Uh, okay, um, is there anything that the American public can do uh, legally to thwart people like Gates and 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 Klaus Schwab and these guys that are the one world order money people? Into- yep, 
Your thoughts, yeah. your thoughts, Brad. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing uh, that can be done is to elect people in the, for the White House and the Senate in particular um, who respect the Constitution and will continue to appoint federal judges that adhere to the basic fundamental doctrine, which is that the Constitution is the highest law in the land, no treaty with any nation, uh, no uh, consolidation of, of nations, United Nations or otherwise, can trump the Constitution and its dominance and protection of our rights and civil liberties. And uh, I think that is uh, the most important. We see greater uh, efforts internationally uh, to consolidate, to limit our powers. President Biden said that he will uh, acquiesce to the World Health Organization, whatever it says. Um, that's actually not constitutionally his duty. Um, his duty is to always make sure anything enacted by this government, carried out by this government, is in accordance with our constitutional rights. So um, maintaining the Constitution, I think, is the most important tool we have to prevent this kind of tyranny. And then, of course, prayer. I, I believe that, again, we need to pray yes. against the powers of darkness that have worked their way in. Now, we know eventually it's going to all go dark. But as long as we're here, salt and light, we as Christians, I think we need to continue to pray, 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 pray that God will open ways for us to communicate the gospel, that mm -hmm. he'll bind Satan from taking over until his allotted time during the tribulation period so we can be about our father's business so the gospel can be preached. And so uh, very good question. And and again, I, I just want to thank you so much. I think we might have lost you there. You probably had to go for your customer there. But thanks so much. And with that, we're going to go back to Darren Austin, Texas, who called us earlier about buying a home recently. Your thoughts? Excuse me, uh, Darren. Hi. Yes. Hi. Um, I um, I bought a house two years ago, and um, and I bought it right before the the uh, the Fed started raising the interest rates. And yes. and so there was like a horde of people buying houses. I had I had a compromise on the house, and the realtor told me, who was claimed to be a Christian, that if I could, if I wanted to sell the house in a year, year and a half, I could break even. And two years have gone by. I realized that was an outrageous lie. And I, right now, I'm one hundred fifty thousand dollars upside down. And um, and I still need to do renovations to the house, which put me more upside down. And I'm really unhappy in the house. I'm unhappy, unhappy with the um, with the financial situation. And um, I've, I've forgiven the realtor, but I I think about this every day, sometimes every hour. That's how much it bothers me. And um, I pray the Lord, I ask him to please fix what this realtor broke, to please repair the damage. And and I name my realtor when I pray. And I don't, I've forgiven him, but if I, if I bring him up in my prayers, am I not forgiving him? That's one of my questions. No, and I, I really believe that you, when, next time you have communion and you hold the bread in your hand, this is something you need to give to the Lord. By his stripes, we are healed. You have a deep wound in your soul and in your mind. And uh, we're a very complex being. We're a body, mind, and spirit. And your mind and your soul is wounded. 
But only Dr. Jesus can fix that. And the Bible tells us by his stripes, we are healed. And, um, you know, those that partake of communion in an unworthy manner, what that means is those that don't really understand what the bread and what the cup is for. Not that we're worthy. We'll never be worthy to have communion. But God is not talking. Paul's not talking about that in Corinthians 11. He's talking about that we need to, we need to, uh, partake of communion in a worthy fashion, realizing this is how God wants to heal me. And those that don't, for this reason, he goes on and says, many are sick and dead among you. you. You've not applied the medicinal part of communion to your soul, to your mind, to your body. And so I would, I would, I would tell you, Darren, that. Now remember something else too. Everything is cyclic. You know, the houses that got real cheap in 2008, they came back. And I think there's going to be downturns. And right now things are downturned because interest rates, since Biden took office, are sky high. People can't afford to buy a house. But when interest rates drop back down, people will be buying houses. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first off, regarding the agent, uh, I will say, you know, what you might want to do is possibly contact the agent, sit down, talk with them and just say, you know, you sold me the house. And you, you told me that you, you know, that you promised me, you know, in an assured way, oh, yeah, a year and a half, I can definitely, you know, sell it. And I look, I understand you were optimistic. He said, but I just encourage you not to be um, so positive and, and like that with people when you really don't know what's happening. You know, I naively relied on what you said, um, and I'm paying the price for it. I just encourage you, I'd appreciate if you just, for other people, not do that. Um, you know, that's a constructive thing that could actually help the agent because uh, oftentimes they do overpromise to make the sale. Uh, but I think it's healthy for them to be uh, held accountable to, in, in, in that regard if you think it would be constructive. As far as the real estate market goes, I used to be a real estate agent myself, putting myself through undergrad uh, at Texas A&M. And um, I will tell you that the market is very cyclical. Uh, those who pay, who made the big mistake this last cycle were those who just they they were underwater a hundred thousand and they walked away their credit was hurt they couldn't come back and buy again when the, the prices fell uh, you stay the course if you can make your mortgage payments um, maybe you can do those improvements a little you know slower at a, at, at a time but you know stay the course uh, don't look at the point where prices are going make your payments um, and inevitably you will be very happy. The Austin market, I think long-term will be do, do well. Short-term, it's supposed to take some correction. That's, uh, that's normal and, and especially in hot markets. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just stay the course. You've got a house. A lot of people don't have houses. If you can make the mortgage payment, uh, be very grateful and appreciative that uh, you have what you have in such a, a beautiful city like Austin, Texas. Yeah, and and remember that that building new houses is extremely expensive because of inflation. So the yeah. price of your house will come back up. Yes. And so not to fear, not to worry, but just wait and see what things God will do. But again, I think that's great advice, Brad, to go talk to him. Perhaps uh, they can keep from misleading somebody else. For Kate, Lou, the rest, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing on Monday. Thank you so much, Brad, from Pacific Justice Institute uh, organization. Contact him if you need help. God bless you. Have a good week. To receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 